Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here once again with my co-host Jimmy Johnson, and today we are graced with the privilege to talk with Mark Chansky. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I count it a privilege. Yeah, and today the topic of our discussion is the Reformed Baptist Network. But before we jump on into talking about that, Mark, since you are a first-time interviewee on our show, can you take a moment to tell our audience a bit about yourself? Sure, Austin. What you're saying is I'm a Melchizedek, and I've got no genealogy. So let me give a little bit of the background. I I was, well, I'm going to show my age early on. I was born in 1959 back in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was born into a, a Roman Catholic family. I was one of five children and so thankful for my upbringing, a God-fearing family. But at that time when I was young, they were not Christian in any sense. The black gloves of Roman Catholicism were over the eyes and the fingers were in the ears. But when I was 17, I was saved at a fellowship of Christian athletes camp at Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And uh, from there, I went to Calvin College, where I wanted to be a Christian psychologist. But then I realized that Calvin College really wasn't teaching faithful biblical doctrine. So I ended up going off to what was at that time Grand Rapids Baptist College, which now is Cornerstone University. And there, uh, there was a guy who was going around handing out sword and trowel magazines from a guy named Charles Spurgeon. And I began to read those. And where did you get these things from? What kind of a church did you go to, I asked. And he went to a church called the Reformed Baptist Church of Grand Rapids. And when I went there, one of the pastors was a young man named, yes, a young man, guys, Austin and Jimmy. His name was Sam Waldron, and uh, Sam was a pastor there, and uh, I, I, I learned things. The messages at first began to uh, pound like thunder and strike like lightning, and uh, the gospel really came home in a, in a way that matured my faith, and I ended up uh, desiring to pursue seminary. And I was going to go to a, off to New Jersey. There was a place called Trinity Ministerial Academy, but I ended up staying in, in Grand Rapids. And I went to Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. Was, I was able to get the benefit of being overseen by the pastors of the Reformed Baptist Church of Grand Rapids, and Sam being one of the pastors there. And then after I graduated from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary with MDiv, I went off to a place called Kemp Road Baptist Church near Cedarville, University by Dayton, Ohio, and I pastored. It was a 1689 church, and I pastored there for about three and a half years. But then the church back in Grand Rapids asked if I would come back because there were some ministries they were focusing in on. They wanted to uh, start a academy for pastors, a ministerial academy, and then they also wanted to engage in We did. We some churches, uh, one in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one in Lethbridge, Alberta, one in Louisville, Kentucky. You guys must know Jim Sevastio. 
That church was planted back there in about 1991, and I would go down there every month to that church, uh, even before Southern had been reformed. And then uh, uh, we ended up planting church in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. And then in about 93, we decided to plant a church nearby, and that was a church in Holland, Michigan, about 40 miles away. And I've been pastoring at that church because we took about a dozen families from the Grand Rapids Church. We used them as the core. We planted the church in 1994. And for 27 years, I've pastored there at that church, Harbor Reformed Baptist Church. And then just recently, I became the coordinator of the Reformed Baptist Network. I have five children, ages 38 to 28. And that's kind of a thumbnail sketch regarding my, my background and my genealogy. Well, one of the one last point, things. Oh, go ahead. One, one point about Sam is uh, Sam and I, during our five and a half years together as pastors, uh, co-pastors in Grand Rapids, we would take uh, some time in the later afternoon and we would play a little basketball together at the church gymnasium there in Grand Rapids. And yes, Pastor Sam he does have basketball capabilities, especially inside the paint. He had the ability to get a little leverage with that strong body he's got and to muscle people out. I tried to beat him with my finesse, but oftentimes uh, his competitive spirit uh, gave him the victory of certain games as well. So uh, Sam is a great friend. Mm. Well, one of the things that you – mentioned toward the end of your sketch there is that you're the coordinator for the Reformed Baptist Network. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. To start us off, what is the Reformed Baptist Network? And I have a few other questions that I'll follow from that, but what is the Reformed Baptist Network? Well, the network is a, a group, a cluster of churches that believes in the really the independence and the sufficiency of the local church. So we've banded together for the purpose, we say by way of our slogan, of glorifying God through fellowship and cooperation in fulfilling the great commission to the ends of the earth. Two verses, Jimmy, are really important to us, two texts. One would be Matthew 28, the great commission. We want to fulfill that where it says, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. So that's our desire, to fulfill the, the commission of our Savior before he departed, his last will and testament, as it were. And then, really, we, we think our ultimate goal is well depicted in that Habakkuk 2.14 passage where it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So in essence, that's what Reformed Baptist Network is. Can you further clarify whether or not Reformed Baptist Network is like a regional association or a denomination or, or how exactly it fits in what we might call those ordinary schemes of Baptist churches cooperating together? Yeah, yeah. I would say that we're certainly, Jimmy, we're certainly not a denomination in the sense that we've got no hierarchy of authority that holds sway 
over the individual local churches. We see that sometimes in Presbyterianism and their form of government. We've, we've really chosen the term even, Jimmy, network instead of association. We're not against the idea of association. You've got the Northampton Association or the Philadelphia Association. Even in our own confession, 2614 speaks of that idea of holding communion together. That's really what we're trying to do. But uh, we're trying to avoid the trappings maybe of other historical associations that in some ways have detoured away from their original purpose of preserving the, the centrality and the autonomy of the local church. We can even think historically how there have been some associations or maybe conferences that have uh, kind of becoming the dog in the sense that association authorities can eclipse local churches dictating to churches instead of the voice of the churches being the chief authority. So, for instance, even me, I am, I'm not a president of the Reformed Baptist Network. I'm just simply a, a coordinator. And even our committees or our boards, they don't dictate policy or doctrine. It's our churches that, that do. We're, we're really more of a fellowship of churches. And so we call ourselves a network. And our network isn't limited to, you had asked Jimmy about a regional association. We're really not regional in our sphere, like we're not Midwest or Northeast or Deep South, but we're kind of more global in reach, yet, yet practically, we're really more North American in our membership concentration. And I just want to underscore, too, Jimmy, that uh, it's, it's the, the issue of, of the cooperation of the churches. We, we look at, oh, the, the, the biblical prescriptions, and we see churches, like in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, there's that call for churches to cooperate with the a Jerusalem collection. That means they're, they're pooling their funds for kingdom causes. And that's what we want to be able to do. Churches uniting together for that. And even uh, Colossians 4 speaks of that, that Laodicean letter. And he wants to make sure that Colossae is aware of what's going on in Laodicea. And likewise, we want Riverside, California, to be aware of what's going on in Coconut Creek, Florida, and, and interconnecting. And also, also we, we recognize that for historical reasons, uh, that churches clustering together, banding together, have been very useful. Like you think of the, the Northampton Association back in England. That was the birthplace of the modern missionary movement. You think of uh, William Carey and Andrew Fuller and John Ryland and John Sutcliffe who were involved in that. Churches uh, banding together, many hands making light work. One church may not be able to accomplish all that much on its own, but many churches gathering together can make a heavy lift and send a missionary fully supported, say, maybe off to India or maybe off to China. So again, it's that, I don't want to uh, bang too hard on this, I suppose, but it is crucial that we believe in the autonomy of the local church, where we're church-centered. We believe that missions properly originate from and are overseen by 
and are accountable to the local church. It's it's local churches that are cooperating together through the network. And I think biblical ecclesiology really highlights that as being so important. We want all of our missionary efforts in the network to be church-centered, originating from the church, overseen by the church, accountable to local churches, and focused on planting local churches and strengthening local churches this. And so, so this enables us to seek the support or service of RBNet people and RBNet laborers, and you've got to be recommended by a local church. And then once someone goes off, say, to India or to China, they'll be overseen by the local church. And again, that idea of it's not the network that directs or dictates, it's it's local churches. The network is serving local churches. Hmm. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, another question that we're interested about uh, is the founding or the beginning of RBNet. And uh, so how did RBNet start? How was it founded? Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, you think of the historical reasons for the formation of the network. Dial back about nine, ten years ago, there was a real growing desire for churches to cooperate together for the cause of missions, with the churches with a kindred spirit and a like precious faith. And the desire was to have a, a network of churches that would focus on the, the great missionary enterprise of worldwide evangelism and planting. A group of Reformed Baptist churches that had a desire to do that, to work together. And really, it was the 1689 that became that, that common doctrinal conviction that we had together. So these churches, about nine, ten years ago, just began to look around, and they really found nowhere that they considered it was ideal to lock together, and they just decided, let's start something new, and that was the Reformed Baptist Network. So just historically, then, what spun out of that is back in 2015, this is where I first came into contact with what wasn't even the Reformed Baptist Network at this time, there was a Boulder Missionary Conference that took place in 2015. Uh, Doug Van Dorn's church, it was the uh, Reformed Baptist Church of Northern Colorado. We gathered together there. We just began to share uh, some of the, the thoughts, the desires, the convictions that we had. And then we met in uh, February of 2016 in Rinkin, Georgia. You guys may know Pastor Nick Kennecott. And uh, he hosted there about 20, 25 men who came together, just began to brainstorm about policymaking and uh, began to work through a primitive constitution. And we wrote it up, and then we began to, by way of uh, emails and Zoom meetings, we polished it. And then in November of 2016, we met in Greenville, South Carolina, more precisely in in Taylor's at uh, Grace Baptist Church there, Jamie Howell. Uh, one of the pastors there. And we constituted there in 2016, in November, we had 26 churches that were gathered together. As I recall, uh, I think we had Mark Dever as our keynote speaker. 
as uh, he was there at that time. And uh, the idea of the nine marks of a godly church were kind of a rallying cry for blueprint of ecclesiology. Then we met together for our next GA because the cadence of meeting together annually is a general assembly, which we call our GA, where all these churches, the representatives, come together. So we got together in 2017 in Grand Rapids, Grace Emanuel Reformed Baptist Church. That's the church that Pastor Sam and I had pastored together at. And then uh, in 2018, we met at Riverside, California. And then uh, 2019, Coconut Creek, Florida for our GA. 2020 was difficult. COVID kind of suffocated things. And we ended up meeting just for a virtual GA in Sterling, Illinois. And then uh, just a few months ago, we met in Jackson, Mississippi at uh, Grace Church of Castlewoods. Pastor Thomas Wynn hosted us there. And then we're looking forward this coming year to meeting in Bremen, Indiana, about a half an hour from Notre Dame near South Bend. It's called the Grace Fellowship Church. Pastor John Heaney and Jason Webb. They are the pastors there, so it'll be pretty centrally located. In fact, you can come this time, Jimmy, and you as well, Austin. It's just a stone's throw from where you're at there in Owensboro. We'd love to have you there at that time. And just, just as far as some of, the, some of the details, too, as far as names, I've mentioned names of uh, men. Gordon Taylor, he was the man who was the coordinator before I was appointed as the coordinator. Gordon Taylor is a prince of a man. He had pastored in East Moline, Illinois, and then uh, he just took on the coordinatorship for three or four years for the Reformed Baptist Network. You may know Jeff Smith in Coconut Creek or Chris Powell, who passes in Toronto. Uh, Jeff Johnson is at the Grand Rapids Church. Uh, Robert Elliott is the pastor of the church in Riverside, California. Jim Adams. Cornerstone in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Matt Foreman, pastors in Media, Pennsylvania. Stu Johnston is a pastor in uh, Mebane, North Carolina. Uh, Chris Marley, pastors in uh, Arizona. Also, maybe Salvador Gomez. Uh, Suhel Micheline, who pastor in uh, Santo Domingo, down in the Dominican Republic. Those are just some of the names of some of the men who are with us in the network. So you already alluded to some ways in which the Reformed Baptist Network cooperates together for the propagation of the gospel, but could you give our audience maybe a few other examples? You mentioned missions, church planting. Is, is that the extent of it, or can you give us just some specific examples so we're clear on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you would go to our website, by the way, reformbaptistnetwork.com, no spaces, reformbaptistnetwork.com, you would see we have, oh, I think we have 22 men uh, who are laboring, often men and their wives as well, who are laboring for, with, alongside of, banded together with Reform Baptist Network. So again, you think of these uh, these churches that we have together, we're almost uh close to like 50 churches now uh, for the network and snowballing. And uh, again, each church may be a smaller church and cannot engage in the heavy lift of sending off missionaries alone. But uh, if someone 
is sponsored by a local church. For instance, there's a there's a man recently sponsored by one of our local churches to go off to Southeast Asia. And if that church doesn't have the funds to send him off, where are these funds going to come from? Well, that individual then can be sponsored by a local church, and the local church will present this young man to the network, and then the church of the network will, God willing, begin to provide some of that pooling of funding to be able to concentrate our efforts. And lo and behold, uh, though one church couldn't send this guy off to Southeast Asia, uh, the funds become available because a number of churches working together can make that heavy lift. So Again, we've got uh, oh, uh, a missionary uh, named David Vaughn who labors in France. Uh, I've got a missionary, uh, John Corti. He actually la- he labors on uh, two Indian reservations in the state of Arizona, or John Rittersgard. He is someone who was uh, sent out by the church in Toronto and he labors, he's now planting a church in Barbados, or Dwayne Baldwin. Uh, he has gone off to Serbia, and he is spearheading an uh, academy where a theological education is taking place. And the glorious thing about what Dwayne Baldwin is doing there in Serbia is uh, the nation of Serbia is like a, a microcosm. It's just a smaller nation, and the impact that Dwayne is able to have by teaching 1689 theology, sending men out from that academy with 1689 blueprints in their minds regarding the churches that they plant. This this can make a, a striking impact on an entire nation. Or Larry Seacrest labors in Peru, or Michael Amati labors in Ireland. We've got guys in uh, North Africa in Islamic nations, I'm not even going to give you their names because that would endanger their welfare. Uh, we've got uh, Tim Wenger in Switzerland or Obed, or Obed Robertos in Chile, Olivia Fav in France and in Switzerland. Raul Therese has just planted a church just south of the border there, uh, south of El Paso in Juarez, Mexico. Another pastor uh, named Pastor S.B. in India. Uh, Sam Masters labors in Argentina. So that's just some of the men that we have and we're seeking to support as a network. And we want more. We're, we're greedy. We desire that we'd be able to send out even more men. And then another area of uh, significance, Jimmy, is uh, planting churches uh, domestically here. Uh, because we do not want only to lay out uh, funds to plant churches in distant places, but we realize that there are home missions right in the USA. And for instance, uh, one example of that uh, little group of men uh, and their families in uh, Conway, South Carolina, uh, just very interested in having a church that would have solid 1689 theology and blueprint and They've, they've banded together in the last couple of three years, and they're, they actually have constituted now and, uh, a church plant. We want to reduplicate that. And there are other places where these church plants are rising up, and we want to be able to support church plants, not just internationally, but church plants right here in the USA. And that's, that's crucial. There are mission fields. 
I even think of uh, one of our gobs south who labors right in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a very, it's a very dark place in many ways, but he's, he's laboring and bringing the light of the gospel. And uh, again, the, the, the planting of churches in the USA is crucial. And then also another focus is military chaplains. Uh, in the military, man, these guys who are chaplains have to be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Just even think of how uh, you've got all this uh, politically correct thinking, a lot of uh, uh, CRT philosophy, and it's just an obstacle course for these chaplains who need to have an organization backing them up who are able to say, we hold to these convictions regarding uh, salvation in Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. So they're not going to be pluralists. They're not going to support their Buddhist soldier or their uh, Hindu soldier. But they are going to take a stand for Christ and sound doctrine. They need an organization behind them to support this, to give them cover. And frankly, we want to get a whole stable full of chaplains because young men, young women in the military, this is a very impressionable time of life. And for us to be able to have men, whether it be, oh, you think of uh, guys in Afghanistan or guys in Iraq and even with what's going on in Europe and Ukraine right now, and uh, to be able to have solid men who are chaplains who are speaking timely truth. We, we, we're, we're building our stable of chaplains as well. And then we also have, uh, oh, like pastors fellowships together, where typically once a month we'll have a, a Tuesday, we'll meet maybe for 75 minutes, and we'll just banter back and forth together like iron sharpening iron on a given theme. We had, oh, we all had almost 50 guys here the last time that we were together. We've talked about themes like, uh, oh, let's say marijuana, coming to, a, well, legalized marijuana, coming to a theater near you. You know, what do you do, Jimmy, when one of your church members says, my wife and I, well, because marijuana is now legal in our state, uh, my wife and I, we just have Thursday night as our get high night. And if you as a pastor would look sideways at them, they may say, well, you may, and other people in the church may have uh, a little wine with their steak on their Thursday nights. We just uh, get a little high with our marijuana. It's legal, right? How do we deal with that as a pastor? What, what's at stake here? Of course, we would deal with such things as the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and be not drunk with wine or marijuana, we would say, but be, but be filled with the Spirit, or, you know, issues of, of, of socialism, or what about even disciplining? How can a pastor uh, preach about he who spares the rod hates his son? He who loves him is careful to discipline him. In 2022, can we say that? Or even recently, we've had this uh, conversion therapy and the way it's outlawed in Canada, and that's frankly coming to a theater near us as well, or how have you handled COVID? You see, these kinds of pastor Zooms fellowship have been really helpful 
and and like I say, iron sharpening iron. So we get men of like precious faith talking together, fellow pastors in the same network, uh, strengthening churches and strengthening fellow pastors mutually together. And the relationships then that spin off of this, we have guys who've got new best friends in the ministry, new clusters of friends through this network of churches that's gathering together. So those are the kinds of things that we cooperate together with for the propagation of, of the gospel and mutual strengthening of each other. Yeah, those were some helpful examples. Uh, another thing we're interested to hear from you about is uh, membership. Your website says a little bit about this, and so that's where I thought of this question. But can you tell our audience a bit about membership and associate membership of the Reformed Baptist Network? Yeah, to to be a member of the network is it, it has I think it has real privileges uh, to be a member. All of the churches cooperate in kingdom endeavors in keeping with the vision that we have. Uh, churches can communicate with and pray for each other regularly. And then also there's uh, the giving of commendation. You think all throughout the scriptures, one church is commending another or uh, Apollos is being commended by the, that, that's a healthy thing that we have among each other. But, but then there would be, we have kind of a two-tiered membership system You've got on the one side, you've got the, the full member churches, and the other side, you've got the associate member churches. Let me just draw the distinction. Say a, a full member church uh, gets certain influence with the network because there are decisions, important decisions that are made. A full member church will get a church officer that's voting at the General Assembly or certain electronic votes we have throughout the year. There's that voting influence. Also, officers of member churches can serve on the uh, committees that we have. We have four major committees. And uh, to be able to be on one of those committees, you can really make an impact as a member church. Also, if you're a member church, there's a committed willingness to financially contribute to the general fund of the network. That's the infrastructure of the network. We've got a, a coordinator. We've got a uh, coordinator assistant. We've got uh, uh, a web administrator. We've got other accounting people who help just to keep the infrastructure in place. But that being said, though there is the obligation to give to the general fund, we, we don't have any minimum amount. We never say you have to pay $2,000 or $3,000. We, we leave it to each church. What can you give? As the Lord prospers you, give what you believe that you can give and you want to give. But the main giving really would go to uh, individual mission causes that you may have. If you want to send off that missionary to Southeast Asia, then every dollar you commit to Southeast Asia goes to Southeast Asia. And also, uh, member churches can uh, submit nominations to the net regarding committees and churches can present issues for the agenda at the General Assembly. So that'd be a, a, a fully uh, committed member church. But then the associate member churches, well, they can serve as non-voting advisory members on committee, but again, not as much influence. And they can also 
uh, present kingdom efforts to the GA for support only with the co-sponsorship of a full member church. And then an associate member church also may be given a platform for presenting kingdom endeavors to the network, but it can only again be through the co-sponsorship of a full member church. So uh, it's, 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 we think it's better to be a full member church, but there may be a church that maybe doctrinally speaking, maybe an issue that they don't fully say uh, embrace uh, a substantial subscription to the 1689, but still we'll, we'll bring them in and, and they may be a part of the network, but not necessarily as a full member church. Moving on from that, and that was that was very helpful. Um, what is the personality of the Reformed Baptist Network? I, I believe every network and association and things like that does tend to have a personality, but what is the personality of the Reformed Baptist Network? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good and interesting question, and I, that's one I kind of like to talk about because. I've been a Reformed Baptist since about 1980, 1981, and I've, I've known there are certain kinds of Reformed Baptists who uh, are out there and, and have been out there throughout the years. And I suppose I could maybe give two, uh, maybe two stereotypes of, of some kind of, you know, people, sometimes you talk about some, someone who hears, well, he's a Reformed Baptist. Well, wh what can that mean stereotypically? Well, I think for some, it could mean maybe the idea of maybe an eccentric ivory tower scholar. That this is what a Reformed Baptist is. Oh, I know who you guys are at the Reformed Baptist Network. You're that kind of a of a ministry or personality. But I would say another Reformed Baptist out there that's been out there historically. In fact, one that I I've really striven to be, and I would hope. And a lot of the men that I know, the names I've already given here, I wouldn't draw a picture of the former, but I would say the latter would be a wise, sheep-loving pastor. Uh, again, I've, I've been around over four decades uh, among Reformed Baptists, and there can be some Reformed Baptists who can be kind of hyper-academic, maybe clinical, pedantic, hair-splitting maybe even argumentative, even cranky, even divisive. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that, Jimmy and Austin. I'm sure I've been guilty of that over the years. I, You know, it's possible for Reformed Baptists to be straining out gnats and swallowing camels. And sometimes, you know, it's even been said that Reformed Baptists, they just, they just can't get along. Uh but I, but I'm hoping, I, I trusting, and that's really one of the issues of of what we want to strive to be as a Reformed Baptist is not that kind of Reformed Baptists. Uh, we don't want to be just heady and speculative and oh, kind of a one-upmanship persona. I, I think of David. You know, David Murray is David Murray over at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. He's got a blog about. It's called Head, Heart, Hand. That's what we want to do. We want to ministry to the uh, head that also grips the heart and then affects the hands and the feet for holiness. So I guess I would say personality, Jimmy, of the Reformed Baptist Network. Uh, we want to be theologically precise. 
We want to be spiritually warm and practically challenging and evangelistically zealous and then missionally on fire to get the gospel to every tribe. We want to have fellowship and cooperation together. And that fellowship would be, you know, Mark 940 has this perspective. If they're not against us, the Lord Jesus said, they're for us. And to have that view of uh, they're, they're, they're for us. Our, our, yeah, our theological center is the 1689, theologically precise and robust. But we want to have a gracious manner and an, an earnest mission. We want to have kindred spirits that pursue a common purpose, you know, an esprit de corps, uh, a band of brothers dedicated to strengthening churches, planting churches, sending missionaries, reaching souls for Christ, doing something. That Conrad and Bayway was uh, interviewed at our last GA, and someone said, Pastor Mbewe, what do you see about the benefit of the Reformed Baptist Network? And he said, well, and I'll try to give my best Conrad. Well, he says, it is good for us to unite together, to do something together. And to, to not just merely uh, speculate and uh, discuss abstract doctrines together, but to do something together. You know how a pond that is uh, still gathers algae and scum, right? But it's that... It's that that running water, it's that uh, uh, raging stream, it's moving, it's doing something that stays pure. And we believe that as we labor together for the cause of the kingdom, it's a very purifying thing. So, yeah, that, that's the kind of Reformed Baptist that, that we want to be. We want to have a gracious manner. We want to have a Christ-like love, a gospel unity. And when there are uh, issues and difficulties among us. We can be men who can work through these difficulties in a way that's that's peaceable. We can be men who are untreatable. In fact, at the last GA, when we were gathered together there, uh, we had some folks who were not a part of the network who were kind of spying out the network to see if it was a healthy place for their church, and we were addressing a certain issue about changing our policy. And the the new amendment was proposed, and then, listen, there was difference of opinion. And uh, the difference of opinion was expressed from different quarters. And we discussed it and we worked through it. And we came back and revisited the next day. And we, we hammered out an agreeable solution that was characterized by, you know, Romans 12. As far as it depends, you live at peace all men. Uh, be kind to one another, hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And, and there were men who saw the way that we worked out differences of opinion. And they came away and said, that was the best part of the whole GA. Because we see you guys as Reformed Baptists are willing to work together and discuss things peaceably and graciously. And I'm just so thankful that, that that's the kind of spirit, that esprit de corps, that the Lord has given to us. I think a lot of us can look back on things that have happened in the past, past decades, and say, oh, Lord, help us. Help us that we might stand on the shoulders of our forefathers in the Reformed Baptist Network and to be able to do what they did, but even, even be better and learn from maybe mistakes of the past. So that's kind of, Jimmy, the, the idea, the personality of the network that I had in mind. 
One of the last questions that we have for you following up on the personality of RBNet is what are some of the core values of RBNet? Yeah, I kind of alluded to that, Austin, when I talked about uh, that idea. We want to be robustly confessional. We want to be a group of churches that looks at the scriptures of our authority and then views the 1689 confession as that uh, those truths that are commonly agreed on among us. And we think that theology has got to be central. Our theology is going to drive our methodology. We're committed to building churches with that 1689 blueprint. But coupled with that being robustly confessional, we want to also have a real intentional humility because, you know, the old saying, a haughty Calvinist is a contradiction in terms. We want to have a gracious manner. You know, the text says in John 13, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And, and that's our hope, that our love for one another would be evident because we believe that 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 kind of love for one another is going to win the world, that we have a, a, a gospel unity where we labor to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And like I alluded to at our GA, uh, when problems arise between us, we want to labor to not, you know, the, the, the default setting can be to have a spirit of suspicion and judgment if someone disagrees with us and maybe some some theological point or, you know, even there have been times where guys have said this issue with the confession that comes up, it seems to be a point of disagreement. Um, one might say, I'm not even sure what, what that point actually means. I haven't thoroughly read up on that. And instead of saying, well, if you're not sure, then you're not with us. Uh, but just to be able to work through these things in a, in a way of meekness and in a way of gentleness, being easily entreated with a with a reasonableness because we think this kind of cooperation will bear a winsome witness to a lost world so those are some of the core values austin that we have and we really strive to uh, embody these and it's only by the grace of the spirit that we'll be able to do it amen um mark what else would you like our audience to know about Reformed Baptist Net? What are some closing thoughts that you'll leave us with about RBNet? Well, I would say that, uh, again, we're, we're a young group, and uh, I, I encourage anybody with an earshot of this podcast, uh, connect with me. Uh, go to the Reformed Baptist Network website and You'll not only see me, there, there are a whole list of uh, other pastors. Uh, seek to connect with those men if you have a real desire for the, the Great Commission, a desire to see uh, the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And there may be churches who are out uh, alone, isolated, not connected with other churches. I think you would find be able to gather together as a band of brothers and to be able to uh, be sharpened as iron sharpened iron 
I think you'll find that the Reformed Baptist Network is an organization that you really might be interested in pursuing yourself. Nothing ventured gained. Uh, jot, uh, I, I usually give a call to almost anybody who jots me a note, and we have good conversation and interaction together. So we'd love to uh, ponder the implications of maybe your joining with us in the network. We have that again, that General Assembly, right? Almost smack in the middle of the USA, easy access, Bremen, Indiana, uh, September 19 through 23 of 2022. We'd love to have you there and, and meet you there as well. We have been talking with Mark Chansky about the Reform Baptist Network. Thank you so much for coming on the Covenant Podcast with us, Mark. Thanks, Jimmy and Austin. Really appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you this coming week as I am able to minister at uh, Grace Baptist Church there in Owensboro and see Pastor Sam again. Who knows? Maybe we'll get to play basketball together. But now that we're both uh, uh, not as young as we used to be, maybe we should avoid that kind of dangerous contact. Well, to our listeners, we want to wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.